This is episode 727 for February 2022, and you're listening to the Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast, and I'm your host, Brad Douglas. That opening song is uh, from a YouTube by the name of Massimo Ferraro, doing a great cover of the Spider-Man 60s theme song, so I really dig it. Check it out on YouTube. Uh, before we get to our awesome interview with JMD Mateus, I want to thank people that made it possible for you to listen to it. They logged on to patreon.com slash crawlspace. And they received some free swag, some exclusive podcast episodes. Uh, so a big thank you goes out to Gene, Ghost Spider 2018, JR, Robert, Scott, Venkman, Beautiful Vosh, Adam, Austin, Brian, David, Frazetta Hulk, Frederick, James, John P., Josh, Kelly, King Hillbilly, Laura, Noah P., O-Force 33, Ryan, Sarah, Scott F., Scott M., Will, hashtag something good for you. Dalla, AJ, Andrew, Anthony, uh, Craig, Dow, Datboy, Donnie, Avenji, Jeffrey, Gru Comics, Hafskimo, Ira, Jam Jam, Jay, JB, Jared, John M, Curtis, Mitzi86, N7 Stormtrooper, also Nick, Patrick, Ryan, Sailor Sega, uh, Steven, Stuart, Symbiobro, and Toby Z. Again, they logged on to patreon.com slash crawlspace. They can get exclusive crawlspace t-shirts, mugs, stickers, hoodies, exclusive episodes, behind-the-scenes uh, info, etc. Uh, patreon.com slash crawlspace. All right, now an interview with one of my favorites, JMD Mateus. Let's go. Hey, crawlspacers, welcome to an interview that's been several years in the making. Uh, let me introduce our guest, J.M. DiMatteis. What's going on, J.M.? How are you, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm very good. The last time we did this was back in 2008, really? and we, we did it on Skype, and I called you on the phone. We recorded it that way, and now we've got pretty graphics. We've got webcams. We're going to be in the holodeck in about 10 years when we do a follow-up. <laughs> <laughs> I think if, unless things change, you might all have to live on the holodeck for oh, a while. Oh, I, I don't want that. You know? I don't want hollow food like no, Captain no. Picard doesn't like. No. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a new Spider-Man book out this week, which is, I do. Which is awesome. Talk about Ben Riley Spider-Man. You're you back know, writing the clone. I know. It's... it's uh, it's funny, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> the more things change. You know, yeah, Spider-Man, in some way, shape, or form, Spider-Man always seems to come back to me. You know, yeah. and, uh, a couple of years ago, it was the animated, uh, the recent animated show. And before that, I had, was doing a lot of little short pieces for Steve Wacker. And, uh -huh. But, you know, Ben Ben <clears throat> is a character that's always meant a lot to me. Uh, and I, obviously, I was involved in the Clone Saga. But one of my favorite things that I did in that era was The Lost Years, mm -hmm. which was really really an opportunity to kind of take that character and crack him open in a way he hadn't been cracked open. Right. And, uh, and then there was Spider-Man Redemption, which is sort of a bookend series with that. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, Peter, I love Peter, you know, how could you not love Peter Parker? Right. But I, I've, I've written so many Spider-Man stories. I've really had a chance to say the things I need to say with Peter Parker. Sure. Yeah. If you pushed me into a corner and said, come up with a new one, I could, you know, but yeah. Ben, there was so much untapped potential. I mean, originally when we were doing the lost years, the idea was, there was going to be a whole series of lost years because mm -hmm. he was gone for, you know, five years, Marvel time, but 20 something right. years, real time. So there were just endless stories to be told about Ben. And I always wanted, you know, another opportunity to, to jump into his head. And I, I did a couple of short, short Ben stories for Steve Wacker, maybe about 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, and when uh, uh, Danny, my editor called me up 
uh, no, actually, I think he emailed me first, and all I had to do was see the words Ben Riley. I was like, yes. <laughs> you know I mean? It, it was, was in like, the subject title, huh? <laughs> right. I just I had to say yes instantly, and and I always say with these characters, especially the ones that you really connect with, when you come back to them again, it's like it's like reuniting with an old friend. It's not about a character because yeah. they're real people. They have to be real people to us, so we can't write them. Right. You, you know, I always say that that I know, like I know Peter Parker probably better than I know a lot of my dear friends because mm. I've lived inside Peter's head. I'm not living inside their head. I don't know all the little corners of their psyches, whereas right. I know Peter's and I know Ben's too. So these are really, these are like people to me. These are old friends. So the chance to, uh, to reunite with Ben and, and set it back. And just at that moment when Peter leaves and Ben has to step forward and be Spider-Man again, mm -hmm. uh, I, I couldn't pass that up. And it's been so much fun. And I, if memory serves, don't you call him like an, a big brother? You're so close to the character. Uh, uh, I, if I did, I say that. You, I think in the last interview you did, but oh it, well. Uh, or I'm putting quotes in your mouth. I don't know. I don't know. Either way, you know, it works. It's fine. It's fine. It's like a member of the family. Is but it's definitely like a member of the family. Yeah. 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 No yeah very much so. Uh, we've so. got uh, a lot of people watching so far. Uh, Adam says Demetrius belongs on the Mount Rushmore of '80s to present Spider-Man writers. So, okay, well, I think you're I think you're up there with Roger Stern. <laughs> you're up there with several others. George uh, Washington. I mean, George Washington. <laughs> Lincoln. Lincoln. Yeah. Demetrius and Stern. There you go. I tell you, Lincoln wrote some spider stories. He was amazing. Yeah, uh, I know the one in the theater was a downer, though. Uh, <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> OK, uh, Gary in the Frozen JM is a personal favorite Spider-Man writer to me. Um, there you go. So um, I've got some images. Uh, you've got some great artists that you're working with on this series. Oh my God. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't familiar with David's work before we, yeah. before we uh, did this. Uh, Danny uh, found, found him. He was already working for Marvel. Danny knew his right. work and suggested him. And it's like page after page. It's just like my jaw just drops. And then issue to issue as great as the first issue looks, the uh -huh. second is better. And the third is better. And we, we just wrapped up the art on the fourth. It's just, it's amazing. He's such, he's a great storyteller. He delivers the action. He delivers the emotion. If it needs subtlety, he delivers that. He's yeah. wonderful. And then the coloring is the icing on the cake. Beautiful color. Right. And I've got some images of the covers and the variant covers. I think this is a C Steve's Cross cover. Who I think so. Has it done Spider-Man since the 90s? It's been a long time. I think he did the Matrix storyboards. I think he did, yeah. For years. Uh, that's a Dan Jurgens, I think, yeah. who also returns to Spider-Man. Love the perspective on that one. Yeah. It's a really good look cover. Uh, that, well, look at that one. That one's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Um, and this is, uh, Jurgens original designs for Ben's costume. Talk about that. What do you think of that? Well, maybe you'll see it somewhere in this story. Oh, look at that. Or maybe you won't. I don't know. <laughs> I can't say. It looks looks like a six seven ninety five is when wow. Dan designed yeah, that. I was I think I was only twelve at the time. <laughs> it does look like a spider web kind of receding down the back and yeah and the, yeah. It's the belt very, doesn't I, go I, around the waist totally. Yeah, I like the way that the web uh, is yeah. kind of dripping almost over there. It's like it's not even. It's a really nice feel to it. He also put my one of my personal favorites, which is the web pits. I love web pits. <laughs> the, some artists don't care for them. I love web pits. Uh, also, you got to love Scotty Young's cover. That's a good looking cover. 
Right. Very uh, maybe, cute. Maybe, uh, maybe the next uh, the next Ben miniseries will be uh, Ben teaming up with Spider Ham because that kind of is very, very I would love that. <laughs> and you've got a J. Scott Campbell homage by Tyler Kirkham. Which, yeah, it's hard to keep track of all these covers. You know, I don't. Oh, I don't this get is just copies the first all, issue. Uh, yeah, and I, you know, I, I don't get <laughs> copies of all the covers. Yeah. Um, so it's great to see them all. I I don't know if those two like each other to do a kiss. <laughs> so, um, and here's the second issue. We've got. Uh, I'm just going to go through all four issues that have been released. So okay, that, sure. That cover. I, some uh, of them I haven't seen. Like I have never oh, seen this cover before. I don't think. Oh, you never saw that one. That one's the no. second second issue uh you got janine and you've got uh the jackal back here it looks like and spider carnage on the cover and oh i can't remember her name she's the female oc uh, see well she was lady octopus carolyn trainer carolyn trainer that's right i couldn't think of her name yeah and we've got oh we've already seen that one oh that's a beautiful looking one that's, oh, that's a great one who did that one Oh, it doesn't have a signature on there. Oh, oh, Shavely, Shalvey. It says up in the. That's the that's script. great. It's um. It's also I, I like spooky spooky spider. Oh yeah, that's you know? that's a very spooky one. I love that one. Yeah. Oh yeah, the artist name's right down there. Uh, Shalvey. Uh, and we have this is issue. I'm not sure what issue that, that looks is. like. It's issue four. Four. Okay. Yeah, another creepy one with zombie looking May and Ben and. Um, Mary Jane. Yeah, the story, the story kind of just shuffles right up to the edge of horror at certain points. Oh, okay. As you'll see cool. as we go along. Nice. And I love this one. That's fantastic. That's too. a great looking one. And um, let's see. If I f go forward, there's the preview. We were talking about the artist that you're working with. I've got a preview yeah. that's on the crawl space if it will load. And the artist's name is David Baldion. Is that how you yeah. say it? Yeah, yep. I think so. Look at that opening. One of those op uh, full-page splashes. Those absolutely beautiful. And uh, Carrion's back. And I, I the, um, love the opening scene of the book I read this week where uh, Ben comes across J uh, Jonah on the streets. Just a great, great opening scene. I think that's so cool. Yeah, I really ha I had fun with that one because, you know, I mean yeah. – I have to say, back in the day, I, I always thought the blonde hair thing was a little goofy, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> a lot of people loved it because it's like, you know, yeah. uh, if I had hair and then dyed it blonde, I still Same. think my, my friends would recognize me. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. So I wanted to really hit hit it that it's not just hair. It's There's a, there's a quality of being there that's mm -hmm. very different than Peter. So when... Uh, Jameson says, "Oh, Peter, what are you doing? What's with the crazy blonde hair?" And he goes, "I'm not, I'm not, I'm not who you think I am." Mm -hmm. And then he says again, "I'm not Peter." And all of a sudden, Jameson realizes, "Oh, this is this isn't Peter," and he gets all flustered. Right. I wanted to really underscore that and hammer that home. And it's the same theory of Superman: the glasses. I mean, it's the attitude. It's right. The attitude carries right. a lot of it. So there you go. It's, it's it's attitude, and I think it's a quality. We each have a different quality of being. You know, that's mm -hmm. very distinctive. And and Ben yeah. and Peter have something very different there. Right. Talk about what the miniseries will look at. It, it's set shortly after he took over the the um, the suit. 
Yeah. And so, uh, and, and it's, it's a, it's, it, you know, he's been around as the Scarlet Spider and all that, you know, mm-hmm. he suffered through, you know, the death of Aunt May having to be outside of that. And what we have is someone, you know, Peter and Mary Jane have gone off to live their happily ever after. And right. everyone knows they've gone off allegedly to have their happily ever after to have right. their baby live in Portland and do all that. And, um, and now, so he, even though at this point in time, the, the status quo is that he's the real Peter. He believes he's the real Peter and that our Peter is the clone. So he, th- he believes he's Peter Parker. And yet he cannot go back to being Peter Parker because everyone knows that Peter Parker is married and went to Mary Jane and they went off and they're having their baby and they're doing all this stuff. So he, the door to the past is closed to him. So mm-hmm. his life, even though he, Hey, I'm back. I'm finally back. I'm in New York. I get to be Spider-Man. But who am I? I mean, Ben Riley has been a fiction for five years. He's traveled the entire world and, and he's created this identity on top of Peter Parker. Um, and so a lot of this is about who am I and how do I reestablish a life? Any mm-hmm. friend I've ever had before, I can't have again. Any, you know, the, any family I've had before, you know, Aunt May's gone. Um, what, so he's really at a crossroads and he's not, mm-hmm. he's not necessarily in a good place. In fact, the only place where he feels a little bit at home and at peace is as Spider-Man because he knows how to do that. Yeah. You know, he knows how to do that and he's free when he's doing that. But when it comes time to, he's, you know, he's living in the East village in this crummy little apartment. And on some psychological level, he's there because he thinks that's all he deserves. You know, he just Mm -hmm. got this job at the coffee shop. You know, Mm -hmm. here's this brilliant guy. And what is he doing? You know, he's serving coffee and washing (laughs) dishes and whatever. So, so, you know, as many of my stories are, this is about the search for self, the search for identity, the search for who am I in the mm-hmm. midst of all this. And mm-hmm. and the story that develops outwardly, as we'll see, uh, which I don't want to say too much about where it's all going, mm-hmm. is a reflection of that. And it's mm-hmm. Ben's journey to find himself over the cross, to find at least the first major step forward in his new life over the course mm-hmm. of these five issues. He reconnects, uh, well, he's connecting for the first time, really, with Dr. Kafka at Ravencroft. Edward Whalen, who used to be, who was once known as Vermin, is there, and they, they, you know, there's a whole relationship there that develops. There's a lot of interesting stuff that happens. Right. Obviously, if nothing interesting happened, it would be a very boring movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're going to stretch for five issues. Nothing yeah, happens. Basically, Ben just walks around and mopes for five issues, and oh, occasionally, you know. I've seen that many series now. <laughs> <laughs> we have a uh, Costas from Greece is watching. I know Costas. Hey, Costas. Hey, what's going on, man? Thanks for uh, tuning in. Um, talk a bit about Ben Riley. What is different about writing Ben Riley versus Peter Parker? What's some differences as a writer? Well, he's a different person. You know, yeah. I always say he is Peter, but he's not. Mm-hmm. You know, there's an essence there. There's an essence of Peter Parker that is absolutely there. There is an essential human decency that's always there, you know, right. uh, a sense of self-sacrifice, all those things. But this is a guy who's had everything he's known and believed about himself completely. Someone stuck some dynamite in it and blew it up and then said, leave, you know? So Mm -hmm. he, he, it's Peter, but he's, he's gone and he's been into some much, much dark, as much as Peter has struggled, Ben has been in much darker places than Peter ever has been. Um, And that's changed him. And so there's more, there's, you know, there's, and there's more turbulence, there's more struggle, there's more darkness in there. And yet there is that essential decency and light, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it's all those elements in his psyche uh, that I really love. And I love digging into and I love writing. Right. Uh, in the current amazing book, uh, Janine is back. She, I heard. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen yes, it, but I heard that was a great. She, 
she finally got out of prison uh 20 some odd years later right. and she uh, looks good right <laughs> <laughs> there she is she um, and, you know, in Marvel time, what's that? Five minutes, 20, 20 plus years. It's, it's always hard to tell. You know, when I was going <laughs> to, when we started to work on this, I was going to say five years ago and Danny said, well, let's not be specific, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, so but, we don't really, you know, maybe it's three years, maybe it's six years. We don't really know. Yeah. But Ben picked her up out of prison and, and, uh, talk about Janine. She's, she's visually similar to Mary Jane, red hair. She's got a, a, a rough childhood. Yeah, she's uh, a very different character than Mary Jane. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they met in the. Well, she was a character that I cooked up during the Lost Years miniseries, right? And uh, Ben was on the road. He was in Salt Lake City and uh, living living whatever much of a life he could live out there. Uh, and he he meets Janine, um, and Janine is as I'm. I, you know, I have to get the. It's not. It turns out that she's living under an assumed name, just like he is, because she has as much of a troubled, broken past. Right. As he does, and we discover later on that she, as a child, was sexually abused by her father, and mm-hmm. at a certain point, when she was older, couldn't take it anymore and killed him, mm-hmm. and has been on the run ever since. And in and in the Spider-Man Redemption miniseries, uh, when she returns to his life, um, she realizes that she has to she has to take responsibility for what she did, and she gives herself up. And so does right. Kane in the same story, as I recall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, she's and a that- very She's like, you know, she, she is to Mary Jane as Ben is to Peter. It's almost like, you know, I didn't really create her to be any kind of Mary Jane doppelganger. I think it was the mm-hmm. colorist who decided she had red hair back then, not me. Right. Um, but you would think, of course, he's going to be attracted to a redhead. It makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's, a, she's, a, she's a, a, a very different character, and she's very suited to Ben. And she is the one real connection one real mm-hmm. authentic connection that that heart connection that he made in all those years um and uh, and of course then he had to give her up and at this point mm-hmm. in the Ben Riley series she's still in prison so he can't right. even turn to that right and you said uh, Ben is one or two steps away from Peter how many steps away is Kane talk about writing the Kane character he his yeah, that life was the really is- that was the fun you know I, I, one of my favorite novels of all time is the brothers yeah. Karamazov by mm-hmm. Dostoevsky and it's like these, you know, these brothers, we have these three brothers here. We have Peter, we have Ben, and we have Cain. And I see right. them as brothers, you know? And and each one, you know, came from the same genetic pool and got twisted in different ways. So however many steps Ben has taken into the darkness, Cain has taken many more. Right. And yet somewhere in there is the same spark of Peter Parker, mm-hmm. you know, um, except that, you know, uh, Cain started out as a damaged clone. He's got this cellular de- de- degeneration and, and uh, you know, he's done some truly terrible things in his life. And right. in the lost years to really play those two off against each other, to really explore, that was the first chance I think that any of us had to really develop Cain into a full three-dimensional character. Um, and I find him fascinating. I did it when they did, um, when they did that story a few years ago, <clears throat> where they brought Craven the Hunter back to life, Grim Hunt. Mm-hmm. Grim Hunt. So yeah. I did. I did a backup series there, which was an untold tale of Kane meeting Craven, and it, again, it got, gave me a chance to return to Kane. It's another character I would love. And I have in the back of my head, I would love to do sort of a Brothers Karamazov story where I could bring together Peter, Ben, and Kane, maybe in the next yeah. miniseries if we get to do one, uh, and uh, and and really set the, put them all off on an adventure together, and 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 see how they play off against each other. Uh, in in a situation like that'd that. be great. Uh, also, in your mini, uh, Ashley Kafka's back. Yeah, or you you go and uh, 
we, we visit her and, and spoilers, she has a surprise at the end of the first issue. If you haven't read it, I won't spoil it, but, uh, I didn't know that. I think that was a nice little tease at the end about, uh, at, at, at the end of the first issue. All right. Spoilers. Okay. I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know that she knew that. Well, when Ben reveals, uh, oh, oh, that, that, yeah, that's I, kind of in the middle. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I didn't, I didn't know that she knew Peter was, was Spider-Man. Yeah, you know, I, I just always assumed that she, first of all, the first, when I first introduced yeah. her in uh, the child within arc and spectacular Spider-Man, right. there's a scene where he shows up in her office with his mask off. Okay. Yeah. Because he's the the, the 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 goblin has pumpkin bombed him with these psychedelics and stuff, and he's a half mm-hmm. out of his mind, and he's looking for help, and he shows up, and uh, I agree with Adam. That series would be cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and uh, and you know she becomes a real confidant to him. So right. I don't know if it was ever said on panel. Maybe it never was said outwardly. But I I always worked on the assumption that Doctor right. Kafka knew, and my feeling was that then Peter's leaving. And here his brother is stepping into his shoes and he knows that Ben is in trouble and Ben is going to need someone to turn to. So he right. tells Kafka about Ben. Now, turning to Kafka, I, 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 I assume you've seen this article that in Vanity Fair that uh, there's a real person named Kafka that's a friend of yours. And, uh, uh, yes, yes. Yes, when, unfortunately, uh, a friend who passed away a few years ago. Oh, yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good friend who was also yeah. a, a hypnotherapist, so who was always my yeah. place to go to find out about those kind of questions. And uh, yeah. I, you know, I, I did not create the character to say, "Oh, I'm going to make a character out of." Uh, her name was uh, Freda Kafka, F R A Y D A. But I wanted it you know, because I'm someone who's into my own head and into therapy and all these things. I thought let's mm-hmm. bring a therapist character, someone who's going to work with with these villains and 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 be that kind of doorway for Peter. And if I'm going to create a character like that, I'll name her after my friend. Yeah. Um, and co- what better name for for a superhero therapist than Kafka? You know. Yeah. What no, I mean? Yeah. It's a great name. <laughs> yeah. The, fir- the first name Ashley came from another friend of mine, and mm-hmm. uh, and you know so so you know. What people don't realize, so it was um, it was absolutely in part a tribute to this amazing woman who was also an amazing therapist and hypnotherapist right. and all that. But once you create these characters, they're you know you're not trying to recreate somebody who exists in real life. Doctor Kafka is her own character with her own backstory, and she's right. completely separate from Freda. But certainly, uh, there is a germ of inspiration there and a way to to, to honor this yeah. uh, this dear friend, you know. That I love her interview in the uh, Vanity Fair. She she gets caught up on everything that's happened to the poor character over the years, right. and she was like, "Wait a minute, massacre did what?" And then anyway, and then right. I, was I, I was always you know when, when that movie came out, suddenly <laughs> Doctor Kafka seems like some like Nazi man. It was very yeah. strange. I, why did they do that? I never quite it, got that. It, it's interesting how many different media Kafka's been in. I've got a screenshot of the Spectacular Spider Man cartoon so dr kafka's there and of course they in my opinion ruined uh kafka by turning her into a man yeah, yeah. and the jamie fox uh andrew garfield what's your thoughts on that what they did yeah that's what i was saying a minute ago it's like i i went what <laughs> not only that wasn't he like german, german. He, was, he seemed like a, like some like like he was working with the red skull you know yes he's like an evil evil german that loved i know it was like, why even like, why even why even bother to call that character dr kafka i have no it has idea. no relation to this like wise compassionate yeah. woman who's only who who's probably you know greatest flaw is that she has too much compassion because exactly. she really believes she can help these people and these villains right. and um, and when you introduce kafka you introduced ravencroft right you know he, here's the thing okay. i didn't 
Oh, I people, thought you did. People think I did. Because, I even have the picture ready to go. It's in the movies, the Venom movies. It's well, the here's Venom the deal. Movie. And, we, you know, I've <laughs> talked to the other writers, and we, for the life yeah. of us, we can't remember which one of us came up with Ravencroft. <laughs> but if you look at that, The Child Within, the first story that introduced Kafka, and uh -huh. we see her, she's working with vermin. So clearly she's already working with, with villains yeah. and trying to, to help them. There's never, the word Ravencroft never appears in that story. Huh. Ravencroft, I think, appeared maybe in an annual not long after that. And we must have had a writer's meeting and come up with it. But but so I did not introduce Ravencroft. And I, I, like I said, none of us really remember who did. That's crazy. That's the problem when, you know, you get together five guys in a room and we're throwing ideas around. Right. And sometimes the guy that writes the story that introduces the thing Does isn't the guy that created the thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? We, we might've, you know, someone else yeah. might've had that idea in a meeting and then, you know, well, let's put it in that story. And so the next writer puts it in that. So sometimes we've really had, we've had these conversations several times, I had a conversation with a couple of the guys last year, like which one of us came up with shriek? You know, it was like, we yeah. know that we were doing this maximum carnage and we needed a female right. villain. And then we figured out that we sent Tom DeFalco home and he, he figured her out, you know, right. uh, and then, but then, you, you know, it's a funny thing in comics with who created what, like, mm -hmm. then I took Shriek and did a story in Amazing Spider-Man called Shrieking, where I gave her her, her civilian name and I explored her backstory and right. her psychology. So, you know, we're all, in a lot of these characters, there are really multiple creators of, of these right. characters. It probably explains why Stan Lee often doesn't remember he was doing so many things in the early 60s, creating yeah. so much and who created what? We just got the job done, you know? Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and back then, um, you know, people weren't thinking about, oh, what about the movie and the, uh, the money yeah. I'm going to get if they make this into a <laughs> no movie? Doubt. And Kafka has gone, has has died. She uh, was re cloned recently. Yeah. And now she's going to be the Goblin Queen. Have you seen this? I, I've heard about it. <laughs> so, okay. there There's your psychologist right there. So the Goblin Queen, I from the look, is clearly a villain. Well, uh, yeah, she's we beating up Ben. She's beating up Ben in the cover. She's not been introduced yet in the actual. Oh, I see. So book. we don't really know the story yet. Okay, we don't. But she's okay. she's beating up uh, Felicia. So this and, is this is Kafka's clone, who is now yes. a villain. Okay, so it's not. I, I guess so. Kafka. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I tell you, that's <laughs> what makes comics, folks. <laughs> so she's a clone. Oh, so she's a clone and he's a clone. So that's an interesting one. Well, it's 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 maybe they cancel each other out. Maybe it's an algebra right. problem. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but it's it is hard to keep up with all the uh, the various who dies and who comes back. Um, going back to because I don't want to repeat what we did in two thousand eight, but I, I want to hit a few things up now that we have visuals. Okay. Uh, your first Spider Man book, and correct me if I'm wrong. Marvel Team Up One Hundred One with Nighthawk. You know, I think it was. Yeah, I think yeah. it was mm -hmm. from 1981. Actually, I could probably even top that because, and I and I rediscovered this this past year, even before uh -huh. I did this. Okay, before I was like under contract to Marvel, but Jim Shooter was interested, like my work, and he would throw me little gigs here and there. So there were Marvel comics being done in France. Oh, okay? okay, so. They would have uh, writers, uh, American writers, write plots. Then they would send them off to France, and the artist would draw it, and then a French <clears> writer <throat> would do the script. Okay. And I'd completely forgotten about this, and somewhere I came across a reference to it. I mean, wait, I wrote like two Spider-Man stories that were published in France, and, I, and, I, and I, I searched online, and I got some help on Twitter, and I found one of them. 
Uh, they're like little five or six page stories, but those were huh. technically the first Spider-Man stories I ever wrote. I, do you remember what the, the story was about? The five or six? <sighs> you know, I just he know fought a bad was, guy. <laughs> I know there was a, I know there was an Alice in Wonderland theme in it. That's all I know. Uh, yeah. That, yeah. That but the pre- first official Spider-Man story I wrote was that, that Marvel was, was Nighthawk story. Yeah. yeah, and then yeah. I, and then I think after that I dialogued a Denny O'Neill plot, an Amazing Spider-Man, the one with the man apes. I think is that two twenty three. Yep, yep, yep. yep. There you go. Well, you've so got a, you've if got you do the math, do. this is your forty second year writing Spider-Man. That's amazing. What is, literally, <laughs> wow, and it's quite spectacular as well. <laughs> well, way above. <laughs> Does it seem like it's just flown by? I mean, 42 years, that's amazing. Well, you know, life sort of seems like it's flown by, you know, and yes. life in the life in the pandemic, you know, as, as distorted no as time is anyway, life in the <clears throat> pandemic, I feel like has distorted time even more. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, you know, it's like if I look at everything I've done over that time, I go, okay, so that, mm-hmm. that makes sense is that many years. But when you think about it, I still think about the 90s like it was 10 minutes ago. Oh, yeah, no doubt. You know, it, it's, um, it's amazing. Um, after you did that, uh, you did one of my favorite issues that introduced, um, Frogman. You did, uh, Marvel team up. Yeah, I did like three and a half years of Marvel team. You, up. Yeah. you did. Yeah. That's one of my favorites that you did. 121. Yes. Well, I, 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 you know, Frogman keeps popping up every once in a while on oh. social media. And I always say I would write yep. a Frogman book. I would write a Frogman book. I'd buy instant. it. I would and buy it. it. You know, because it's it's just I love always loved him because you know, first of all, it's, this, it's there's a little redemption story there. His father mm-hmm. was the leapfrog, but his father was basically a good guy who just made a few mistakes. You know, so yeah. and the son wants to redeem his father's name, so he decides he's going to put on his father's costume and go out there and be a superhero. And he's completely ill-equipped for the job. You know, I even as a kid when I was reading, I remember reading the first leapfrog story, and I thought. Mm-hmm. This has got to be the dumbest villain I've ever seen. Dumb villains are cool, man. A I guy in a frog suit with with uh, electrical leaping coils. You know that was the whole Why thing. Not? You know, uh, but it really works in terms of Eugene, this this you know fifteen year old kid who's trying to to do this thing. You know, I used him in a bunch yeah. of stories, and I know that uh, Chris Cantwell used him recently in Iron Man. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought that was great that they brought him back. So I would love, you know, maybe if we do another Ben, I'll sneak the Frogman in there too. And also during your team up run, you also introduced a character. It's still around white rabbit. Talk right. about her origin. I love well, that. She was sort of, you know, as you can see, it was an Ugman story. And I want to go, you know, match absurdity with absurdity, you know? Why and not? again, we just mentioned <laughs> Alice in Wonderland and I, you know, Alice in Wonderland is one of those sort of primal stories that was imprinted on my consciousness as a kid and all that imagery mm-hmm. and so the white rabbit was sort of a the whole idea was i think she was the 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 widow of some billionaire and she decided she's going to take all this money after he died and become a supervillain. You know? why not <laughs> and she hired she hired actors to be her henchmen you know it was a whole it was a very funny yeah. thing and, and you know, I have sitting in my office. They actually made a white rabbit and a frogman action figures. Hold on, you're you're jumping ahead. I have them oh, up. Okay. I've got oh, them right they here. Are. <laughs> I've got when one they, too. When, when I was just, I couldn't believe it. I'm so happy. You know, I I love that. That is very obscure. I love that they made a frogman, and here is the white rabbit figure. Yeah, I great. mean, they look great. You've got both of them. You said, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. So cool. Yeah. Who would who would have thought 40 years later they would make a figure of White Rabbit? I think that's so fun. I know. I know. It's great. <laughs> I, I need and, to do a 12-issue Frogman uh, maxi-series now, right? 
And I, <laughs> dude, I'd read it. <laughs> dark Frog Man. Dark Frog. <laughs> dark Frog Returns. The dark Frog Returns. Like that. That's right. We got it. We got it. Leaping into your comic store now, I can say. That's it. right. You talk about uh, Frog Man appearing in Iron Man. Ben and Frog Man appeared. That's right. That's right. And, and the gargoyle, another character. That and the I gargoyle. Yeah. It's, it's like someone's a fan of your work is what it looks I, I like. Mentioned, I mentioned that to Chris and he said, God, you've been lurking in my unconscious all these years. You know? <laughs> but no, that he's, was a, he's a wonderful writer, Chris Campbell. Oh, my God. Yeah. I don't know if, if you've ever Iron seen. Iron Man, I've been reading it. It's good. Have you ever seen Halt and Catch Fire, the TV show that he created? I have wrote? not. No. It's it's brilliant. It's really brilliant. He is an amazing writer. We keep using the word amazing, but I guess it fits here. <laughs> it fits with the character we're talking about. I yeah. love the eyes and the mouth, and also on the Marvel Legend, they put eyes in the mouth yeah, of the yeah, figure. I yeah. think that's so cute. It's so cute. But uh, it's it's so nice to see um, uh, those your creations. Become you know, it all everything. It's like you know when the when the when the Clone Saga finished and and Marvel decided that they wanted to uh, destroy everything about it. You know, yep. and sweep it all under the rug. And over the years. Everything hey man, has it come back. back. It all has come back, <laughs> which is great. You know, because there are some great characters there. Ben is one is exactly. one of the great Marvel characters. Kane is such a yeah. great character. Um, yeah, and and of course we know that Frogman is one of the all time greatest Marvel characters. And and we will fight anyone that disagrees. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> and you know, you, every interview you you have to be asked about Craven's last hunt. I mean that this year is the thirty fifth anniversary of that book which I think is just incredible. It's never been out of print. Wow. I don't no, think. No, pretty, if it has, it's only been for a few months. They always, and it seems like every time I turn around, they're putting out another edition. Yeah. I, I actually have the, the hardcover from a the original. That's the original, the original yeah. and the trade. Cause I loved Mike Zeck's art on it so much. Yeah. I had to get a yeah. trade and, and the original name is fearful symmetry. Is that what you, you said? That was the, that was time? the original name. And then it was yeah. Tim Salakrup, uh, I always give Jim the credit because he was the one who said, "Let's we have to run this through all the Spider-Man books. We can't have this happening in one title and not in another." Right. And Jim Salakrup also came up with Craven's Last Hunt. Yeah. So, uh, so much for my William Blake references. <laughs> uh, did I mean, you obviously couldn't think 35 years ago that this we'd still be talking about this? It'd still be in print. Nobody I mean, thinks one of, like one of the, that. Like, you yeah. can't. I mean, no, especially not then. Exactly, you know, then it yeah. was like the fact that they even collected it was a big deal back then. Yeah, not every, not everything rare. was being collected and they yeah. collected it in a hardcover. You know, that was yes. a huge deal. Right. But and the Stan idea Lee, that, that, yeah, Stanley yeah. wrote the intro for you in the hardcover. I, yeah, I know. I know. That was a, that was a amazing. We keep saying that word. There it is again. <laughs> Take a shot every time someone says amazing. That's right. That's right. Oh, that's great. We're going to have a very drunk audience. Uh, and over the years, there's been several things, homages to it. I, I haven't listened to it. Have you heard of the uh, the audio recording of it? Someone, yes, uh, yeah. They, well, they did because because uh, Neil uh, Clyde, uh, Clyde, that's how you pronounce his I name. Think that Neil says Neil wrote, did a novelization, yeah, uh, of Craven's last time. I was actually going to do it at first, then it worked out. It didn't. It turned out it didn't work with my schedule. Um, yeah. So, and Neil stepped in and did a great job. Um, and then they did an audio adaptation of the novel. Mm -hmm. So it, it was interesting. It was interesting. It's, it's the same story, but it's not the same story because like any adaptation, you change it. You know, I've done a lot yeah. of adaptations for the, for the DC animated films. And, you know, if mm -hmm. you're doing the same thing, then you might as well read the original. You always need to, yeah. to adapt and play and change things. Right. Have but you the seen, audio was pretty good. Have you seen this artist, what they've done? Uh, they, they did the, yes. uh, the, yes. the, the, the cover. That thing is huge. 
I know. That's so big. I couldn't, I don't think I could even put it in my office. <laughs> <laughs> I think the dude wheeled it to a convention and Mike Zek stood next to it. I couldn't find that picture. Oh man. But, no, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty, pretty brilliant. I mean, it's really, really, I was going to say that word again, but I get, get ready to drink. It's oh, amazing. There you go. I'm, you know, actually it's Mountain only 1230. Maybe we shouldn't be drinking now. So, um, well, if you're drinking a Mountain Dew, feel free. <laughs> now, if you're watching from Europe, it's later in the day you can oh, have a drink. You, yeah. you, can, you can have an adult beverage. That's true. Um, <laughs> what What is it like to see your work with the fans? I mean, that that is just incredible that someone did that. Is it so nice to see people so inspired by your work that they do stuff like this? It's it, Yeah, it is. It is. And it's, yeah. it's, you know, just the fact that a story like this yeah. has lived on for all these years. Right. And not only has it lived on for the people that read it, People are reading it for the first time now, and that's what you hope for. Yeah. And it's not always necessarily the, the stories that you pick. I love Craven's Last Night. You know, I'm very proud of it. It's mm-hmm. a great story. Is it my favorite story of all time? Is it even my favorite Spider-Man story? No. But I, right. I, I recognize. But, you know, once you release a story into the wild, it's mm-hmm. not yours anymore. It's right. the audience's. And something about that story um, mm-hmm. clicked. You know, something clicked on a, in a really big way. And I'm very, you know, I'm proud of it. And I'm delighted that it's had this long life. And I always say, you know, uh, if Mike Zeck had not been the artist on that story, we might not be having that conversation today. Right. You know, because the comic book story is about all those elements coming together. And Mike is just one of the best artists, one of the best storytellers ever to work in comics. Mm-hmm. Bob McLeod's inks, uh, yep. Rick Parker's lettering, every element, the coloring, every element comes together to make a comic book. Perfect storm. You can have the greatest story in the world, and if the other elements don't work, the story will fall apart. Mm-hmm. Very true. Um, th- it's been said, even going back to Tobey Maguire, that they should adapt that story on film. And we have a Craven actor now cast. Do you, do you think this would work on the big screen? I mean, I think Tom Holland's a little young to do that. That's story. what I. That's what I've said all along. Is that you know yeah. I, I think Tom Holland is great, uh, but he he's young and he. And he, you know, he looks young too. You know what I mean? He yeah, really he does. does. He looks younger than he is, which is why yeah. they had him playing a high school kid here. Um, right. You know, someone, and I, I, you know, I always forget which podcast it was. Mm-hmm. Put the put the bug in my head. You know, Sam Raimi, Tobey Maguire, Kirsten Dunst, bring them back. Yeah, a grown up Peter, Mary Jane, and Duke Cravens last time. You know, standalone. Now I always said the one problem is that your lead actor is buried alive for a third of the movie. that's true so and when you know how these movies work and they pay that actor a lot of money if you look at i love the raimi movies you look at each movie Mm -hmm. the mask has either come off or is broken more and more in each movie and you got to see that actor that you're paying 20 Mm -hmm. million dollars to so i always thought having done a lot of these dc animated movies that do it as an animated film your actor's not going to be that upset if he's Mm -hmm. you know if it's in an animated i think i would write that in a heartbeat um and i you know and marvel doesn't doesn't seem as invested in the animated films the way that yeah, DC is, you know, and I would love to do a Craven's last time animated film. What so do you think Marvel, of the, act- if you're listening, <laughs> what do you think of the actor, Aaron Taylor? Uh, what's his name? Aaron Taylor. Johnson, I think, isn't it? Johnson. That's Johnson? right. Yeah. yeah. The uh, only thing, if it's who I think it is, the only thing I've ever seen him in was a movie called nowhere boy, where he played the young John Lennon. Um, well, you saw him as Quicksilver, is, didn't you? In the oh, that's, oh, that's okay. I yeah. forget that he did that. Yeah. 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 And yeah. he was uh, you know, kick ass. 
Okay. See, I don't, I can't prejudge any of these things. And when people go, yeah. oh, how could they have cast so-and-so? He's terrible. It goes all the way back to Michael Keaton, right? He's oh, going yeah. to be awful. And he was great, you know? So right. you can't judge anybody until they step into that role and, and play it, you know? So right. I, I'm sure he'll do a great job, but I'm sure whatever form this is going to come out, is it going to be a Craven movie? Is it going to be in a Spider-Man movie? It's a Craven movie. movie. I, I am scared that it's like Venom. It doesn't have much Spider-Man in it. Which, right. Well, may, you know, maybe it's a setup for a Craven's Last Hunt movie. I don't know. I, you know, but I, I would assume yeah. if they're doing a Craven movie, I mean, I created all this backstory for Craven. Yep. So I would assume they're going to take all that, you know, exiled Russian aristocrat thing and, and really, yeah. really play with that and develop it. Yeah. Another book that uh, has been in print since it came out, and um, uh, your name is on it <laughs> <clears throat> Maximum Carnage. Uh, love it or hate it. People, it's still out there, man. <laughs> yeah, that, that's another one. It's, it's very true. And everyone, I've got another check from Maximum Carnage. It's well, amazing, you know? That, uh, I it would was, love uh, it <laughs> A lot of people, you know, and, and one of the reasons why I, I will, I try not to say anything negative about my own yeah. work is that there's always someone who it's their favorite comic. Oh, yeah, so if no I doubt. sit here and I say, you know that miniseries I wrote back in 85, boy, that really was awful. And then there's someone goes, mm-hmm. but I love that, you know? Um, yeah. You know, I was, I was, Maximum Carnage, I was ambivalent about, and I still yeah. remain somewhat ambivalent about. But, mm-hmm. but I worked my ass off on that and tried my very best to do the best mm-hmm. work I could. And there's some great stuff in there. And I, you know, one of my favorite sequences in all of all my work on Spider-Man, which I tailored right to my my friend Sal Buscema, was that wonderful mm-hmm. sequence where Peter's gotten the crap kicked out of him, and he's crawling through Central Park. And then it opens up. You see, you see. I think at the last panel, you, he looks up, and then you open it up to a double page spread, and there's Captain America reaching oh, yeah. out his hand. Yeah. Sal's not just one of the best Spider-Man artists ever; he's one of the greatest Captain America artists ever. No and doubt. that's one of my favorite moments in any Spider-Man story I've ever written. And that's all you know, tailored just to Sal, who right. just—I can't say enough good things about Sal. He's just I, I, amazing. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> We have Fabio watching from Brazil. Hey, Rio hello, de Brazil. There you go. Uh, we'll, I, we'll get the sound in just a second. I want to talk about another artist that you worked with that we didn't talk about in the last podcast very much. Uh, you had a chance to work with John Romita Sr. on yes. the first issue of Web Spinners. The, the very last day that Peter and Gwen had before she died. I love that story. It was so good. Talk about working with the legend. Yeah, that's one of my favorites out of all the stories I've done as well. Not not in any yeah. small part because I got to work with him. You have to understand that I became a, a regular Spider-Man reader with Romita's second issue. The mm. second part of that Green Goblin story, which still remains probably my favorite Spider-Man story of all time, when we when Norman Osborn is first revealed to be the Green Goblin. Yep, I remember the month before uh, uh, just seeing that cover. Well, I used to go mm-hmm. to our local Brooklyn candy store where I'd buy comics. And I'd never seen a cover like that. Here's the villain. He's got the hero all bound up, but he's in his civilian identity with the Spider-Man thing underneath. And it's like, he's carrying, what, what is the story? You know, but I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't pick it up till the next month with the part two. And then I had to go back and find the first part. Um, so Ramita's Spider-Man, I mean, you can take nothing away from Ditko. He was a genius and he created, yeah. uh, along with Stan, uh, the building blocks, you know, so much of it was Ditko because he was plotting a lot of those stories himself, you know? Um, but Ramita's Spider-Man is is really really special to me, yeah. and you know I, I knew John a little bit from just from around the office, and and mm-hmm. but to get to work with him was a very very different thing, you know. And here he'd been doing it all those years, and you could see 
how painstaking he was and how yeah. he could have just knocked that story out, you know? Yep. He he sweated and slaved over that story. And I tailored that story to him, you know? Mm-hmm. Um it was just it was really two, two of the highlights of my career revolve around him because it was getting to do that story with him. Yeah. And then when the death of Aunt May story came out, I came home one day yep. and turned on my answering machine and there was a message from John Remy Sr. telling me how much he loved that story and that it made him cry. That you Wow. That's you know, so it's cool. like like your whole career is worth it for that yeah. one phone call, you know? No doubt. Yeah. Uh, you also got to work with the son, too. Um, yes. Uh, John Romina Jr., who is also coming back to Spider-Man. Yeah. Which is, yeah. Which is very cool. Uh, one of on your, the Lost Years, yeah. He's, lost he's amazing years. also. He, Romina yeah. Jr. is sort of like a combination of his father and Jack Kirby. If you took a little DNA from both of them. Yeah. One of the things I really, really loved about his work, and, and, and it's something that Kirby could really do, he gives things weight. Phys- mm-hmm. Like, you know, you know, if the thing picks up a truck and crushes it, yep. you really you, you feel, feel the crunch, you, you feel, feel the yeah. weight. And Romita Jr. really can do mm-hmm. that as well, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, one, one book uh, that we've not talked about in the podcast before that uh, was your second run on spec, which is one of my favorites. And also one of the panelists who's on our podcast every month, it's, it's in his top five Norman Osborn stories of all time is the one uh, from uh, spec 250. When Norman comes back, speaking of Ramita senior and junior, they did a beautiful looking cover for you. Yeah. Yeah. On, now, uh, if I remember correctly, Oh, oh, sorry. I, jumped, there it is. You jumped ahead, didn't I you? I jumped ahead. Uh, I thought I had another I picture think, of it. I yeah. think that issue was might have been plotted by Tom DeFalco and I did the script. I'd have to look. Yeah. Um, I think and they accidentally left Tom's name off the, the cover. So credit where credit's due. But right. yeah, that was a that was a that was a good story. That was you, a good story. You haven't had a chance to write Norman very much because he's been dead for many a year. So that was fun to see you. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was nice to uh it was nice to get a chance to, to to dig into that character, but I have to say, yeah, personally, I always prefer the Harry Green Goblin. I think he's a why, lot more interesting. Why do you prefer Harry? Explain. I prefer it because of the relationship between Peter and Harry. Yeah. yeah. From the writing perspective, when you have two best friends who love each other and they're mm-hmm. also mortal enemies, the stories write themselves. You know what I mean? It's right. it's just it's an incredible situation. It's filled with with drama and emotion and psychology. And so I, you know, that that whole those two years on Spectacular Spider-Man, where we really developed that Harry story, uh, was was just some of uh, some of my favorite work ever. I found that picture I was looking for. It's that when you open that cover up, you've got multiple images. Wow, uh, I don't remember. Oh, that's fantastic. So, I don't remember that. Absolutely beautiful. Um that I think Ramita Jr. penciled and Senior inked. If if that's what it looks sorry. like, that looks like Ramita yeah. Jr.'s pencils. Up there, definitely looks like Senior. So, but this I remember this was just an absolute beautiful looking uh, cover that came out. Now we we alluded to him a little bit earlier. Um, he's been on the, our podcast at least a couple times. Just such a nice guy, Sal Buscema. And if memory serves, is this your favorite issue? Is that what you've said in the if past? If I was going to pick a, a single issue Spec of all 200. the work I did on Spider-Man, and, and among almost all my work, um, yeah. it would be this one. Yeah. 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 Certainly all my superhero work. Yeah. Talk a bit about it, why this one is your favorite of all Spider-Man. Well, for one thing, it was the climax of a two-year story that we were cooking yeah. over the course of two years, starting with The Child Within when I started on Spectacular Spider-Man. Yeah. And this, you know, this brought the whole Harry and Peter thing to a boil. And, and, you know, I've told the story before, but if we're going to sing Sal's praises, I have to tell it again. No the story climaxes, and I don't think it's a spoiler after 25 years, uh, <laughs> with Harry's death. 
Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I might, my, my plots were very, leave that up there because it's important. Okay. Uh, my plots were very, very tight, page by page, panel by panel, uh, camera angles, everything, you know. But I thought I'm going to send this off to Sal. And then when I get this back, I'm going to, because it was done Marvel style. You plot it first, you get the art back, and then you yep. put in the, the final script from there. I'm going to have to really sell these final scenes. I'm going to schmaltz mm-hmm. it up and be really dramatic and tug on everyone's heartstrings and, and then I get the art back from Sal in the last, I think, three pages. And, and I looked at it and I started, I think I started to write something. I went, what am I doing? I don't yeah. have to say anything. Everything I asked him for and more is in the art. And I just shut up and let the pictures tell it. And that's, <laughs> that's a tribute to the amazing talent of Sal Buscema. He's a great storyteller. Mm-hmm. He can really draw. It's just, uh, he can deliver emotion, subtlety. It's just yep. beautiful, beautiful work. I have, so much respect for him as both an artist and as a human being, because he's an incredibly nice man too. He, he is very, very nice guy. Uh, wh- people have asked for years, why isn't this stuff collected in trade? I've been asking for years. I know. I don't understand the the child within is a great story. I, we just looked at it a couple of weeks ago. And I and, have, I have on my shelf, yeah. beautiful edition from Italy. There's been editions in other countries. Yeah. I just heard someone in, I think it's in Poland. They collected the entire spec run. In Poland, mm-hmm. the whole thing. I Why mean, is it Spider-Man. not here? I don't understand. And 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 <laughs> if it was just another like batch of Spider-Man stories that I did, you know. But I think this is some of the best work I've ever done. It's some of the best work Sal agree. has ever done. Yeah. It's work that people continually bring up to me that means something to people. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that this big anniversary year is here now. Yeah. And maybe we'll finally get to see this collected this year. No doubt. Uh, talk a bit about, like we said earlier, you've been writing Spider-Man for 40 plus years. What is it? What is different about writing a Spider-Man story in 1981 versus 2022? What's some differences of, of sending it to Marvel even, of? Uh, well, so it, you know, it, yeah, it's a different world. You know, I've I've yeah. lived through many different Marvels. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. You know, you grow up reading comics and you have one image of what the company's going to be. Of course, by the time you get there as a professional, it's a completely different company. You know, yeah. I started I started in the Jim Shooter era. I went through the mm-hmm. Tom DeFalco era and the Bob Harris era and other eras since then, you know? Right. Um, so, so, you know, there's the Marvel that exists in our head and then there's this company that keeps changing, you know? And so that's yeah. a lesson I had to learn very early on just about being a freelancer in general, you know? there's our image there's there's these characters in these worlds and then there's a company and that's a different thing um uh although i'm delighted it's been a great experience working on this book danny chasm i hope danny i hope i said your last name right um he's a wonderful guy and a Mm -hmm. wonderful editor and he has made this book a pleasure from day one and that's such an important part of the process is connecting with your editor and having a good relationship and mutual respect um, so that's been great. And, you know, on one level, the difference, I hope one big difference is that I'm a much better writer than I was <laughs> in 1982 or whatever it was when I wrote that first story. Right. Um, you know, as the language of comics changed a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. For one thing, you know, you can't use any thought balloons. We used a lot of thought balloons back then. Um, hmm. I think that, I think it's a great lost part of the art, the thought balloon, because it, it creates a different feeling than the first person narration, although I'm very comfortable with first person there. I, I love being in characters' heads, so I love using first person narration. Right. Um, but beyond that, you know, maybe you know, maybe technically, you know, the color is different, the art styles mm-hmm. have shifted or whatever. But telling a story is telling a story. I mean, the way right. I approach a story now is the same way I approached it then, except I think I approach it with more experience and more skill. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. uh, uh, and and I think after having done it for so long, 
even on my worst day, I have enough of a skill set to at least at least construct a decent story. It may not be the greatest story in the world, you know, and then, on, and then, you know, so those skills are there. In the beginning, I was still learning those skills. You right. know what I mean? If you look at the early stories, I, I can see myself still trying to figure it out on the page, you know, month to month almost. Yeah. Whereas now yeah, there's a skill set that's there, you know, um, and then you build on that and then you want to, you don't want to just write a story based on skill. You want to fill it with inspiration and emotion. Um, so yeah. you put all those things together. And that's right. where I am now. Um, if, if you want to ask a question to us, uh, I've I've got 20 in the can. I've been starring them, ready to pop up on the screen for you. Uh, Ryan says he loves the miniseries, and thanks for bringing back the Daily Grind cast. Thank you. And Ratchet says, uh, appreciate your work, like Craven's Last Hunt and your work in spec. Uh, spec 200 and ASM 400 are personal favorites. Ben Riley issue one is also good. It's not a question, but... They they love your work. I thank you. And Amazing Four Hundred is a, is definitely one of my all time favorites as well. You know that's one thing we didn't talk about. Um, it, since we last talked, uh, they they brought Aunt May back. They brought uh, they killed you killed Harry. They brought him back and they killed him again. <laughs> he's oh, did dead they kill again. Him? Oh, he's dead again. Okay, he's dead again. Poor in Harry. ten years, we'll talk to him again about him. Bring him back. You never Ashley, know. It could be in five minutes. Ashley Kafka <laughs> uh, was alive then dead then now she's a clone now she's a goblin what's your thoughts on these characters that you off that they bring them back they're like the godfather you can't you know, bring them back we, in we work in a shared universe that's true you know even yeah. if it's a character that we created once we've created it for this company and and unleashed yeah. it into this universe it's it's not ours anymore in a lot of ways you know yeah. um and just the way i get to play with other people's characters Mm-hmm. People get to play with my characters and it's comics yeah. and people die and come back. And that's just the game. Um, yeah. Why people to this day get upset when they hear that a character is dying is beyond me. <laughs> you know I mean? After all these years, when you've seen them die and come back and die and come back mm-hmm. for me as a writer, the challenge is if you're writing the death of a character, even if in the back of your head, you know that somewhere down the line, someone's going to bring them back. Mm-hmm. You have to write that story as if this is the end of that character forever. You yep. have to invest it with that level of emotion. And when we did the death of Aunt May, um, yep. you know, that was our that was our approach going in. We wanted to, we wanted to make a big change in the Spider-Man status quo and taking Aunt May out of the picture. So I never thought I mean, you know, like I said, in the back of your head, you never know. Someone's always going to come back. But yep. Aunt, Uncle Ben had never come back. So maybe we would kill Aunt May and she'd never come back. But you have to approach it. Right. As if that death is real. And to give props to Mark Bagley, too, same thing happened in that issue. There's a whole sequence there of about three pages around Uncle Ben's funeral where mm-hmm. I just shut up and because he did such a beautiful job. And I didn't yep. have to say a word. He delivered everything I asked for. Yep. Gary in the Frozen also agrees that your uh, Sal spec run should be collected in trades. Well, I'm glad we're all in agreement. <laughs> uh, Craig says, as much as COVID has an effect on everyone in all businesses, do you think Spider-Man and writers plus ours have had a uh, detrimental effect in the last two years, writers and artists. Has, has COVID work? had a detrimental effect on our work? Yeah, I guess that's what the question is. Yeah. Um, it- no, it, you know, I think in some ways it's the opposite because, you know, first of all, you have to understand that most of the freelancers I know are like me. We spend a lot of time at home. Right. So being locked down <laughs> is not, you know, oh, is this any different than any other day? You know, well, yeah, means I can't, maybe I'm not going to the movies or going out to dinner with my wife or whatever. Right. Um, but I think, and what I've seen for myself and what I've seen for uh, a, a lot of other people is that 
it's given us even more time to be creative. I have about five different creator-owned projects that I have in development right now, five different series that I'm working on and developing because I had the time to play with them. Yeah. So I think that um, that in a weird way, COVID has has uh, um, excited our imaginations even more because we've yeah. had no place else to turn. Uh, yeah. Oh, at, did you kill Doc Ock too? Adam says you did. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Tom DeFalco and I, we did it together. We, we, <laughs> it, we, it was a group effort, yeah. <laughs> it, it's, you know, it's a funny thing when they, I say Tom DeFalco and I killed Dr. Octopus when the, when the, when the Aunt Mace uh, story was brewing. And my yeah. wife still remembers this to this day. I was on the phone <laughs> with Howard Mackey, who was another Spider-Man writer. And it was like, yeah, we got to kill this old broad. You know, so like, she always <laughs> felt like it was, it was two hitmen on the phone plotting somebody's murder. We really need oh, to kill that's funny. May, you know? <laughs> We're Morris terrible X people. Writers are terrible people. We says the Marvel Wiki stuff. says you created it, so you got it. It's on the internet. I guess that's yeah, so we know true. it's absolutely true. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's because people assume that first Kafka story took place and maybe retroactively they made it that it yeah. was. Maybe. Uh, Soflo says, uh, how do you feel about, how did you feel about writing Peter and Mary Jane's time in Portland? You know, I never actually wrote their time in Portland when they Mm -hmm. were in, you know, there wasn't, I don't know how much, how much was spent on that back in the day. I know there was a mini series that I think Fabian wrote that dealt with. Yeah. The final adventure Um, is what that was. I was originally going to write that one and something came up and, and, and I think things were changing so often in the Spider-Man office when they were trying to figure out what, what this clone saga was going to turn into. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I never actually wrote their life in Portland. I never got to do that. Yeah. But if we if I get to do another miniseries and we get to bring all these guys together, then go. we get to go out to Portland. There you go. Uh, what did you think of the No Way Home movie? Have you seen it? I have not seen it yet. Oh, I've heard ninety nine and nine tenths percent great things about it. It was it was great. It was much better. Uh, my, personally, I I'm not a fan of Iron Man Junior. Spider Man being Iron Man Junior in the movies. So this I ha- one I have said. You know, yeah. I have said the same thing. I think yeah. those movies are incredibly well done. I think yeah. he's great. He's a great yes. Spider-Man. But exact, I've used the same phrase. Uh, mm-hmm. I, 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 Spider-Man is an Iron Man Junior. He's me. he's no um, sidekick. No, you know. Yeah. So so this movie goes off in a different. So they direction. they got they got away from that a lot, which I appreciate. So I I, I gave it. It's the best Tom Holland yet. I think. Oh, that's great. Well, I look, I look for, I will absolutely see it. I just haven't seen it yet. Um, we have a question about what's your favorite villain that you get, didn't get to do that I didn't get to do. Yeah. Wow. Who, who you want to do villain? I did so many of them. I don't, you know, I don't know if there's one that got away that, that I really, really, cause I did doc Ock. I did Craven. I did green goblin, both of Hi- them. Hypno hustler. Hypno hustler. <laughs> have you done that one? <laughs> I have not done hypno hustler. There you go. Um, who was the other one? Big wheel, right? Oh, big wheel. <laughs> yeah, you could do yeah, that one. Yeah. I, I like you writing D list villains. Well, I think I, yeah, that's well, you know, I did, I did the, the, the losers, and the gibbon. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the legion, the legion of losers, of losers spot, yeah. you know, and then yeah. you, and then the joke is you fall in love with these characters oh, when yeah, you write Of course them. you do. Yeah. Uh, all right. There are, there are, you know, there are no bad characters. Every character can be made interesting. And sometimes the more ridiculous, the more interesting it can be. Exactly. Because all of these characters, really, I was just thinking about this the other day. Yeah. Looked at a certain way, all of them are inherently ridiculous if you play it a certain exactly. way. Exactly. A dude's climbing walls. I mean, yeah. go from and, there. And, 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 you know, and he puts on a spider suit and, you know, and, yeah. and, and then he takes the law into his own hands. Yeah. So, well, you know, the first time he did that in the real world, he'd be in prison, no matter who he's stopping. Exactly. You know? Adam would like to see you do some more Hobgoblin. 
Uh, also, I never, there's I never did. No, that's true. I never did. We, also, we did a character called Shocker. Never did Shocker. Okay, there so now we're know. answering that question. And Hornacek, a personal favorite of the crawl space is Stegron. Did you ever do a Stegron story? I never did. Oh, I never did. I'm yeah. thinking that Le- Legion of Losers needs to expand. <laughs> you could have all these characters. Well, Stegron was a fairly dangerous guy, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. It's the tail, man. The tail could take you out. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this one, I like how Maximum Carnage, someone was going to go steal a computer with 50 meg hard drive. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's one of the things we had to be careful with this yeah. with this Ben Riley series, since we're not exactly saying where where it was set. You know, it's it, so it's definitely not the '90s, the literal '90s, because then it would be so long ago that you know yeah. Ben would be 55. You know, right. um, so you know, what do we do about you know technology and this and that? And we just basically kind of skirt around that. Exactly, yeah. Marvel, Marvel time. Yeah. Gary has another question about the trades you and Sal's. We don't know. We would love for it to be collected. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would love to see, you know, uh, all my Spider-Man stuff collected, you know, yeah. to see all the, all the team up stuff and, and yep. all that. Well, I know that the amazing stuff, they just started it in the latest uh, Epic collection. Uh-huh. They, they, they started yeah. my amazing run that went up maybe the first five issues that I did, but yeah. then it gets into Max, you know, then it gets into the clone saga and it's all crossovers. And it's always odd when they have to collect something, that includes crossovers and they don't collect the other chapters, you know, that they're yeah, only collecting no doubt, the chapters yeah. in a single book. And it's like, what do I yeah, do now? What happened? Yeah. Uh, how much do you tailor your scripts to the artist's strengths? You just talked about Sal. You did that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not so much tailoring it to their strengths because if you're working with a good artist, my feeling is they'll be able to deliver whatever you want. But what mm-hmm. happens is as you work with an artist, it's not so much tailoring it specifically Mm-hmm. As you get a rhythm, you begin to understand each other. So you you almost don't have to think. If I'm working with Mike Zek, mm-hmm. I can see a Zek drawing in my head. So as I'm writing, I'm seeing it, you know? Um, yeah. well, I worked with Keith Giffen for so many years, you know, and, and the way we worked together as writers, he would draw out the plots. Uh, yeah. And so I, ha- I know how Keith tells the story visually. Uh, I don't even have to think about it. I see Keith's drawings in my head. And that's the, that's what you hope for in a collaboration, where you really understand each other. So I'm like not going to not put an element in a story because, well, maybe so-and-so can't draw uh, an airplane or whatever, you know? Right. Um, right. Now, if an artist says to me, I would love to draw such and such, can you get that in the story? Of course, I'm going to try to do that. But I'm not going to like, I'm not going to bend and twist my story uh, because I, you know, of, of, an, of what the artist can or can't do because most of the right. artists I work with can pretty much do anything. I've been so lucky in the artists that I've gotten to work with. No doubt. With. I wish Mike Seck still did a monthly book. I would love yeah. to see Mike. Oh, man. He's oh, one of my yeah. favorites. The $3 million uh, man. Are you kidding? Right? You heard about that? Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Of art. It's a shame he doesn't get a cut of that. Yes. I mean. it, it, it's one of the real – it's a real oh, shame. But, you know, yeah. once once that leaves your hand it's, and it's been sold and it gets sold down the line. The thing that, that upset me was I saw a CNN article, mm-hmm. talked about the wholesale, never meant, mentioned the artist. And I said, could you imagine oh, if yeah. someone sold a Da Vinci – Oh, and they yeah. didn't mention the name of the artist. How disrespectful. Oh, that's very true. Uh, Brent wants to know, was there any reason you left spec in your last run on the title? Uh, and can you reveal who Mad Jack was supposed to be? Uh, um, I, why did I leave? That's a good question. I think I felt a little burnt because I had done spec. Then I came back and I did amazing. And then I came yeah. back to spec. And it was like, I think yeah. I'm done. For now. Yeah. But it always would happen. When I finished spec the first time, I'm done. Then a little time went by. You want to write amazing? Sure. Then I was done. <laughs> you want to yeah. write spec again? Sure. You know? <laughs> um, and, and here I am writing Ben. You know, so yeah. 
And, you know, the Mad Jack thing was still developing in my head. And, and mm -hmm. I, I hate to admit this, but I wasn't set on who he was yet. What I oh. did know, you know, sometimes, sometimes characters and stories evolve with more of a feeling than a definition. Yeah. And I knew that he had some connection to the Jameson family, something, some connection to Jameson and to Jameson's wife. And I was going to start playing with that, mm. developing it. And, and then I left before I got to solve yeah. the mystery. And I think Tom DeFalco might have been the one that came up with a with an answer to who Mad Jack was. But he was a fun character. Along with Mad Jack, there's also Facade, who we never found out who the identity was that Terry That's Cavanaugh true. wrote. What's his? Oh, Facade, right. We, right, we right. never found that out. We went straight into the Clone Saga before that, that mystery was wrapped up. So Interesting. Uh, Bruce wants to know what your favorite Spider-Man story or arc I think you said spectrum. My own or favorite. others uh, of my own or others. So, like I said, uh, or, gonna, or either either right, one. My favorite Spider-Man story, just in general, is that the first Ramita thing. The, the uh -huh. what is it? Thirty-nine and forty, I think. Thirty-nine or, and forty. Yep. Yeah. And and of my own, if I pick a whole arc, it's probably yep. the Child Within. Yep. Um, with with Craven's Last Hunt, probably a close second. Yep. If I was going to pick a single story, it would be Spec Two Hundred. Uh, any advice for wanting to break into comic book writing who didn't go to college for writing? Well, yeah. Um, first of all, you know, you got to read a lot and you have to write a lot. Yep. Uh, I do, I do workshops periodically. I haven't done one since probably last spring. I did, did a couple online because of COVID. Uh, and I also, it's a good, good time to plug this aside for doing the workshops. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I work one-on-one -on -one with people with a consulting service. I'm working, mm -hmm. you know, with several people now they, you know, they're, they, they're developing a mini series or developing this and we, and they send me their work. I read it over. We get on Skype, we talk about it and I help them with their stories. Awesome. The reason I started the workshops was, you know, when I started out in the business, there were a lot of people there who had a lot of knowledge who helped me along the way. And I realized one day, I've been doing this a long time. I know a lot. I want to share what I know and what I've learned over the years. So, um, and the other big piece of advice is you got to write. You have to write yeah. a lot. The only, it's like going to the gym. You have to use those muscles or, you know, you never be able to do it. You know, I, I, I occasionally run into people over the years. Yeah, I want to be a writer. So what have you written? Uh, well, I don't really <laughs> write anything, but I really think I have good ideas, you know, yeah. until you sit down and write, um, it's not going to happen. It's right. not going to happen. But if anyone's interested in the workshops, um, you know, I, I announce them on Twitter and Facebook when they come along. And, and, and the story consultation, you can go to my website, jmdmateus.com, go mm -hmm. to the story consultation section, and there's information there. Chat is talking about who I think Mad Jack ended up being was Mysterio's niece. Oh, that, or that, that sounds familiar. McGuire Beck was Mad Jack is what people are saying yeah. in the chat. Yeah. So okay. there you go. Um, let's see. Well, we've got a few of these. We'll go through them real quick. Cause I want to, I want to get you out of here at the time that you said, okay. Um, did you ever read the life story by Chip Zdarsky or spider shadow? No, I have not. I have not read them. Although I have heard people rave about that. Really life good. Story. Just it's, rave, rave, rave about it. Yeah. The, the whole concept is it, what if Spider-Man actually started in 1962 and, and each, each, each year, each book is 10 years later. Oh, that's so great. That 70s, 80s. Great. Yeah. Uh, Brent says, I love the Amazing Spider-Man 400, the most touching issue of Spider-Man ever. Uh, what better way for her to go out than that? Uh, always loved no that Aunt May knows, which, yep. yeah. Yeah, that was, a, that was a sweet. That was one, you know, those stories. Yep. Uh, they're, they're, they're not just emotional to read. They're really emotional to write as well. You know, you mm -hmm. get very, very 
deep into the and very involved with that. And I remember writing that scene on the Empire State Building when she reveals to Peter that she knows. It was very touching. Oh yeah, it 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 gets you right uh, in the gut. Uh, whose idea was it to kill Carrie? Carrie, Me? I meant Harry. Yeah. Who's Carrie? <laughs> <laughs> I never killed Carrie. I swear, I'm innocent. <laughs> that was Stephen uh, King. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, no, that was that. You know, that was and and again, people said, "Did you have, did you have that plan from the very beginning of your spec run?" No. What, yeah. what happens when the story is working is that the story and the characters take off and take over. So whatever plans I have go out the window and I have to just kind of hold on and let them lead me. Yeah. So Harry's, Harry's death was not a plan from the beginning. It just, it became the natural ending for that story though. Right. Um, let's see. Uh, we have a question They that image that we showed of uh, Sal and your uh, Spec 200 issue was in a recent issue of Amazing Spider-Man. They reprinted it exactly like that. I heard about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What do you feel? How do you feel about those stories, especially since they drew heavily from your run? I haven't read the stories. I have to say, I don't really keep up on a lot of contemporary stuff unless it relates to something I'm working on, and then they send me stuff and I read it. You know. Yeah. Or a friend says, "You have to read this. This is so good." So I didn't read it. I know. I know that Nick Spencer is an excellent writer. Um, yeah. And if you know, if 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 they're drawing heavily from what I did, just as I drew heavily from the, from people that wrote before mm-hmm. me. That's, that's very gratifying. You know, yeah. you feel good that people at the stories mean something to somebody that they want to build on what you did. Yeah. What was your inspiration for bringing Ben back in the clones in the nineties? That wasn't just, that, you know, the, the original idea for that came from Terry Cavanaugh. And uh, I remember Danny Fingroth, our, our, our ama- amazing drink, our amazing, <laughs> e- our amazing editor, <laughs> called me up one day and said, you know, Terry's, Terry's wants to do something bringing back the clone. Uh, what do you think? And I was like, eh, I'm not interested, you know. And then we had a meeting. Yeah. We had a Spider-Man, all the writers meeting. Um, I didn't even mean all the writers and the artists. And Terry put this idea on the table that, no, it doesn't just want to bring back the clone. The idea was that the clone was the real one. You know, and the Peter that we've known all along was the clone. Right. And I'm, I love stories about personal identity. And, and I love, you know, Philip K. Dick and Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. And the way we play with, am, am I who I think I am or am I something else? And I just responded to the idea right away. But the original idea was Terry's. Gotcha. Uh, Brent wants to know, uh, was Amazing 400 supposed to be the end of the clone saga with the death of Aunt May? before it got extended or was it a different story that you replaced with the gift instead? That's a good question, you know, because yeah. it's the, the clone saga kept changing as we went along. I think, yeah. you know, it's very possible that when we first came up with it, that we thought we'd be done by then because the original plan was maybe this story would last six months at most, you know, right. maybe a year at most. And then the idea, and we, we had the meetings we're going to can't, you know, we're going to, Peter's going to go off with Mary Jane. We're rebooting all the books with number one. Yep. Ben is now Spider-Man. We were talking about who a new supporting cast. We started, we were developing all this stuff. <clears throat> and then it kept getting extended and extended and extended. And yep. at somewhere at some certain point I left because I, I just, you know, wasn't having as much fun anymore. And the, the thing went on for like another year after that or a year and a half or something after I left. Yep. Um, so it was, it was an interesting time. I like, you know, uh, the, I think the clone saga also is one of those things that, uh, kind of where we started talking there was treated very poorly back then by Marvel editorial. They wanted to just brush it under the rug. And over the years, you see that people really love that story. Warts and all was it perfect? Yep. No, what's perfect. Um, but there was so much, a lot of really good stuff that came out of those stories and a lot of really fun characters. 
What's interesting is the the kids of the '90s are now in power at Marvel. Yes, and and they love the Clone Saga. You can see the stuff coming back, which is well. Really that's cool. always what happens, right? You know, the guys yeah. that were reading the book when they were twelve, and then they're grown up, and suddenly it's like, mm-hmm. no, this is great. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, what type of Spider-Man story do you love writing? Single Spider-Man or married Spider-Man? I love the married because you always have more at stakes, says Matt Bird. I love. You know, so there were a lot of people that didn't like the marriage. Uh, I loved writing the marriage. I love the relationship between Peter and Mary Jane. I've got a piece of original Sal art on my wall downstairs where the Peter and Mary Jane are having a bit of dialogue that came from dialogue I had with my wife, you know, so as someone who is a romantic and, and a happily married person, you know, I always, Mm -hmm. I loved, um, I loved writing that, uh, loved writing the marriage. Uh, I just think there's a great dynamic between the two of them. I completely understand why people didn't want it. That's why, you know, Ben was going to come back and become Spider-Man because this way you could still have the married Peter and yep. have a single Spider-Man and you could have both worlds existing simultaneously. Your, your cake and eat it too. Exactly. Uh, Oliver says, uh, being that you're, that John Lennon is your favorite Beatle, who do you think <laughs> Peter Parker's favorite Beatle is? Peter Parker's favorite Beatle. That's a really fascinating question in a very weird way. I think Peter Paul. Parker. I don't know. Yeah, he might be a Paul. You know, my first thought was like, Peter really likes Ringo. <laughs> I wonder, yeah, there's an interesting question. Is Peter, does Peter play an instrument? I've, we've never seen him um, play an instrument, does he? No, he doesn't. Does I he? could see Ben being like a really moody drummer. You know, well, you know if, you, if you go with the, the Spider-Verse, Gwen Stacy is in a band, uh-huh. and she plays the drums, and Mary oh, Jane's really? a singer. They're, oh, called the Mar- they're called the Mary Janes. Oh, really? Um, I, but, I, yeah. could see, I could see Ben playing the drums. I could, too. I could see Ben playing the drums. Yeah, no doubt. What would Kane be? He, he'd be like a lead singer. Kane would be like a, a death metal singer. Yes, yes. Like the first <laughs> thing I thought of was that. They <laughs> roll from the Foo Fighters with all yeah. that hair, you know? Yeah, but, but really, really dark, screamy yes. stuff. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hornacek wants the Brothers Parker miniseries featuring Peter, Ben, and Kane. So. Yeah, so do I. I'm telling you, I think it's a great idea. Yeah. If it happens, well, it started here, folks. You heard it here first. No <laughs> um, we have a question. What do you think about Superior Spider-Man having things in common with Craven's Last Hunt? And Craven's Last Hunt had things in common with other stories that I'd read. You right. know what I mean? It's just the way it works. Yeah. You know, Dan Slott is a is an amazing drink, an amazing writer, <laughs> <laughs> and he, you know, if, if there was similarities or if there was any inspiration. He took that and made it his own, you know? Um, So, you know, that's what, again, shared universe. We're building on each other's stories all the time. Well, um, let's plug the mini series is coming out. We've got a review up on the crawl space. Thanks for sharing that, by the way. Uh, You shared that on Twitter. Uh, Our our, our friend Bill wrote a review 15 hours ago, it looks like. And and, uh, we'll have each issue reviewed up on the uh, the crawl space uh also if you want to see more of your stuff there is your website jmdmateus.com right and you can find me on twitter and facebook mm-hmm. and uh oh and there's that scene that we were talking about that i love yeah. so much where and look at look at the expression on jonah's face and oh list. yeah at the very bottom and, is and just ben's, you know, ben's face and then you see him realizing <laughs> this is not peter parker you know this is not him and you were talking about the story consultation it's one of the tabs yeah, up here that's right that if you want to uh talk about uh, uh books. and right next and, to that is the workshop so if i do the next workshop the announcement will be up there as well yeah yes right there yep 
And also, if you want to pick up the second issue of this miniseries, uh, it's going to go on sale February 9th. So go to your comic retailer and say, hey, I saw this interview. I want to continue. Well, why don't we get the first issue and the second print? That'd be that. Yeah, be that'd good. be good. I tell you, it's been the response yeah. so far has been just great. Really, people yes. are so enthusiastic and so uh, warm in their responses. I've really, really appreciated it. No doubt. Uh, oh, Bruce wants to know real quick. Do you collect any Spider-Man memorabilia besides Frogmen? <laughs> uh, I, I, I do have somewhere up on my shelf there. I know I have a Spider-Man figure up there. Um, yeah. And I do have Spider-Man cufflinks. <laughs> oh, I have I have some of those too. I was a best man at a wedding and they got me some. They're, those are so cool. A couple they? of years ago, I bought, a, I bought a new shirt and I didn't realize when I bought it that it needed cufflinks, which I haven't worn cufflinks in years, you know? Yeah. And so my wife got me like Spider-Man, uh, I think Superman and Green Lantern. And flash oh, that's, cufflinks, you know. Oh, so that's so very, cool. Yeah, yeah, very cool. very cool. Along with the Ben miniseries, what else can we look for coming from you? Um, well, we just wrapped up Justice League Infinity over at DC, which is the continuation of the Justice League Unlimited uh, TV uh-huh. series, and that's um, that'll be collected. I think it comes out in April or May. The collection of that, and the main thing, comic book wise, now um, is I, as I mentioned earlier, I'm working on five different creator-owned projects with awesome. five incredible artists and we're hoping that there will be more Justice League and more Ben in the future. There's a there's a wonderful new, uh, new website called neotext.com where they do a lot of original fiction and non-fiction and I have later this year I have a novella that I've written that will be part of Neotext. It's the first prose piece I've written in about 10 years and I'm very excited about that. And uh and I, I, there's animation stuff that, I, that I've been working on and, and the story consultation. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, keep them busy. Are you, are you up for more, Ben, if this one oh, is a success? absolutely. I'm telling yeah. you, I want to do that Brothers Parker thing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know? Well, you know, he's going to be ejected out of the amazing book when Romita Jr. comes back. I'm thinking you could Oh, so it could a, even be present day, yeah. You could right. do a present day ongoing. Uh, would you be up for that? If it's Ben, absolutely. Oh, there yeah. you go. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Well, JM, let's not make it 10 plus years between interviews. This has been fun, man. Yeah, it's been really fun. And, and look, look at all the bells and whistles you got in 10 years. I know. Yeah. I, the hologram. <laughs> the, right, Parker, the Parker Brother miniseries. We're going to be in each other's living rooms next time. That's, that's right. That's right. <laughs> all right, everybody. Thanks for watching. This has been a blast. Yeah, thanks so much, everybody. Well, that's a wrap on that episode. I hope you liked it. Uh, one more time before we wrap it all up, I want to remind you about uh, patreon.com slash crawlspace. Log on there to get exclusive thank you content, which uh, one of them is the Spire Satellites, where we review all the books that aren't amazing on that episode. That's a thank you to people that help support this podcast on our website each and every month through Patreon. There's also several other podcasts that are up there that are fun to listen to. Uh, that I think you'll get a kick out of. But again, it's patreon.com slash crawlspace for exclusive content and also support things you like, like this podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. Mm-hmm.